Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. great story it just there's so many stories from the Oregon State Hospital that I can tell this one's definitely the best story but it is um, there's so many little tidbits of information about the, the history of the building itself and what happened there it's hard to really get it dialed down to just the main things but I don't want to leave out some of this stuff because it is interesting and it adds to the creep factor you know it's funny, there are a lot of famous mental institutions in the United States of America that are known for all their hauntings. Right. But what's strange to me is how the Oregon State Mental Hospital has not been on that list. Ooh. Because that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. And awesome. the reasons it should absolutely be named as one of the most haunted places in America because it has some crazy shit go down in that building. And hey, isn't it still open? Yeah. most Some of it's been closed down, but it is uh, still open and functioning to this day in Salem, Oregon. We send all of our Oregon State Mental Patients there to live out their days. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, uh, the Oregon State Hospital was built in 1862. I mean, it was originally named the Oregon Hospital for the Insane. This is the place, and they still do, where they house the criminally insane people of the state of Oregon, like I just said. And of course, being that it's a creepy mental hospital, it comes complete with a complex maze of labyrinth-like tunnels underneath its structure. Ooh, I love tunnels. That's right. It helps transport patients between buildings or to keep them tucked in the dark while the doctors performed unnecessary procedures on them. (laughs) So creepy. Um, The doctors who worked there back in the day were known for performing electroconvulsive therapy, lobotomies, and even eugenics, which is the process of controlling breeding either by keeping people away from society, by locking them up in a mental hospital, or by sterilization so society would not be infiltrated with more sick and undesirable types. I heard somewhere that they even classified um, people who had problems with drinking as insane. Yes, they did. That's crazy. Yes, if you had a drinking problem, your chance of ending up at the Oregon State Mental Hospital was pretty good. Oh, wow. So Mm -hmm. that's most of Portland. That would be pretty much all of Portland. (laughs) 95.9% of Portland would be living in the hospital in Salem right now. Actually, probably the whole state, really, let's be honest. As a side note, it is also a place where they filmed the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I love that movie. In 2012, the hospital also decided to open up a museum of mental health so they could show off all of their old torture devices, such as straight jackets, electroshock devices, antique medicines, and there was even a suppository machine that they had been patented by a man named Applebaum no. in 1924. No, that is, that so, cannot be. His name is Applebaum? Applebaum, and that's what led him to create a suppository machine. No more gentle gloved hand of a nurse. What does a machine like that even looks look like? Is it like a wooden hand or we something? We need to go there and see it. Oh man. At midnight on Halloween. <laughs> That's going to be on an Amazon gift list for someone. <laughs> I know. I don't know if I would want an actual mental mental metal machine inserting something into my anus as much as I would just like the nice soft gentle touch of a nurse doing it. You kind of have to be into that kind of thing wouldn't you? Maybe I am. (laughs) 
But of course, despite all of its interesting and complex history, the most fascinating and fucked up story that has arisen from the bowels of this building centered on a cold day in November of 1942. A paranoid schizophrenic named George A. Nossen had just arrived at the hospital. His parents had brought him there after he had suffered a head injury. No word of the head injury caused his mental illness or vice versa, but he arrives there and he's helping out one morning. He's helping out the kitchen staff as once again, they were understaffed and they needed help getting their meals out to the entire building of patients and staff. One of the cooks asked George if he would be a deer and run downstairs to grab some powdered milk for the scrambled eggs that they were preparing. So of course George was happy to oblige. He came back a few minutes later and put the six pound container on the counter and the cooks finished preparing their scrambled eggs. Soon after that, the meals were dispersed to the entire hospital. Not long after that, the residents realized there was something quite wrong with the scrambled eggs. <laughs> Never eat eggs in a public place, people. Oh, or a mental hospital. Always Just stay away from it. the eggs. Just try to avoid it. They realized these eggs tasted a little bit funny, but suddenly that was the least of their concerns. Because the patients began to drop like flies. They started to vomit up blood. They writhered around on the floor in agony. They experienced extreme nausea and paralysis. It sounds like a revival to me. Yeah, (laughs) it's like devil worship. (laughs) They had abdominal cramping and they had seizures while they struggled to breathe for air. Some died within minutes. Others died hours later. The tiny morgue at the hospital can only handle the first few victims. Before the night was over, shrouded bodies were crammed into the chapel and they were lining up in the hallways. Oh, what a mess. That's awful. It was a mess. There was one nurse, a lady named Allie Wassell. She took one bite of her eggs after the trays were brought to her ward and the taste was so off she refused to let any of her patients eat them. She actually did become quite ill, but she survived and she was credited for saving many of the people's lives in her ward. So she was kind of one of the the heroes of this event. As patients were dying before their eyes, the cooks looked at each other while reading their hands and were like, this couldn't possibly be from our cooking, they said. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) So they retraced George's steps and they discovered what had actually happened. George had gone into the Ron storeroom. Uh, The powder that he retrieved was not powdered milk, but instead was cockroach poison, (gasps) a.k.a. sodium fluoride. Oh my God, He brought six pounds of it up to the cooks to put into the scrambled eggs. As a result, 47 patients died and 400 patients and employees became ill after eating the eggs. Smooth move, George. (laughs) Yeah, good way to go, George. Wow. The, The cooks kept silent about this little discovery before cracking under the pressure of repeated questioning by investigators. Apparently, it was against the rules to have a mental patient helping in the hospital kitchen, but due to short staffing, they bent the rules and they allowed George to help. So the tragedy had some major ramifications beyond the hospital itself. It brought about reforms in food safety. They started to have to put poison labels on all products that contained poison to make sure people didn't use them for cooking. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That's a good thing. It was a very good thing. And it also contributed to major changes being made at the mental hospitals across the country that included increasing staffing and funding. 
And a grand jury refused to indict the Cooks or George with any criminal charges, as it wasn't necessarily an intentional act on anyone's part. It was just a really horrific accident that took out the lives of many, many people. A very negligent accident. Incredibly negligent. George actually lived to 1983, 41 years after the massacre. He actually died of an altercation with another patient. They were fighting, and George was struck in the head and the stomach and fell to the floor, and he died of apparent head injuries which is what killed him, wow. which is interesting because um, he was in there with a head injury to begin Right. With. That's very interesting. Yeah. So with all of its history, it's fair to say that the chance of encountering something paranormal at the Oregon State Hospital is very likely. Many people who visit the ruins of the buildings, and that's the part of the, of the hospital that they no longer use, they say that they feel an evil presence all around them, especially down in the tunnels. Ugh. Footsteps and wailing can be heard echoing when people are alone. And doors shut and open for no reason. And the cries of help can be heard at times. And some people claim they feel like they're being watched. Can you go like on a tour of the of the room that like held the poison? And like, can you see I all that? I do not know. That's a good question. But I would love to go down and look at the, the, hosp- the museum itself and kind of get an idea of. What did they do with all the bodies? Like you said, they were in the chapel. and um, Well, I know that some of them were buried on the property, and then some of them were dug up later and cremated and then left in a room for many years, which what? they happened to find in 2004, a bunch of cremains. No. They were just sitting there no. in the actual room that they were burned in. There was a crematorium. Oh, my God. Yes. There are definitely ghosts. There are ghosts everywhere in that hospital. It is ridiculous. So if you guys ever do decide to come for a trip to Oregon, Definitely check out the Oregon State Hospital because it is fucked up. And don't get a head injury. Well, I'm going to talk about David Carradine. Oh, cool. I love David Carradine. Yeah, well, he's dead, you know. But for those who don't know him and is listening, he was an actor who grew up in in the Hollywood crowd because he came from... Uh, a very famous acting family. His father was John Carradine. What was John Carradine in? Well, some very old movies that I don't know, probably <laughs> before I was born. Um, but but my dad would know. Probably. But David Carradine was best known for his role as Bill in Kill Bill. Do you want to do the whistle part? I do not oh. know how to whistle. <laughs> okay, enough of that. Um... Well, anyway, and he also was known for his awesome kung fu moves. He did a TV series called Kung Fu back in the 70s. I think that that's what I remember him from, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that really launched him to fame. Yeah. And he played the actor Kwai Chang Kine. I I know I totally butchered that, but... (laughs) What was that from? Was that from Kung Fu? (laughs) That was his actor. That was his actor's name. Oh, he would buy different... He didn't go by David Carradine back in those days? No, he did the uh, the name of his role okay, in the that's, television show. That's what I asked, and you were like, "No, that was his name." Okay, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Ollie. Get your shit together, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> I take people very literally. Um. So anyway, Holly, why am I talking about the late yeah, David Carradine? You? you yes, asked? tell me how that's spooky. Well, do you remember the television series My Favorite Ghost Story and Celebrity Ghost Stories back in the mid 2000s? Yeah, I do. Well, I was obsessed with watching those shows back then, and there was one story in particular that made my skin just pucker up and the hair on my neck, well, you know, it just made me really creeped out. Right. Though on October 27, 2009, the show released a ghost story told by David Carradine. 
The studio had actually debated on releasing it since he had only passed away four months earlier, right after they had filmed it. Wow, okay. But what makes this ghost story even more creepy is how David was almost foretelling his own death as he was telling it. David had decided to move in with his fifth wife, Annie Berman. Go, David. Five go, wives. David, go. That's a brave man. Yeah, and listen to this. Annie's former husband, Dana, had only passed away a year prior. Oh, wow. Before he moved into the same house that, yeah, that wow. he passed away in. Okay. So um, that's the focus of David Carradine's ghost story. Soon after David moved in, he said he started noticing really weird things and claimed the house was haunted. Oh. In particular, the closet door kept opening and shutting on its own. Uh-huh. Supposedly, he felt the ghost of his wife's former husband hung out in the closet because there was still some leftover stuff of his that got left behind that she kept. David is quoted as saying... I think he was hanging out in the closet, and sometimes when I walked into that closet, it would be cold in there, unreasonably cold. Mm, cold spot. Yeah. Definitely David, ghost. <laughs> yeah. David said there was also cold spots in the house, and one incident made him especially spooked. He also mentioned glass breaking and being super freaked out by one of Dana's ties that remained in the closet. So he said that the tie was turned around and it had a little logo attached to it that said Grateful Dead. Oh, <laughs> like the band, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. And I thought he said, what does he mean by that? David said it was obviously a joke that the dead was, was grateful and it was the only way he could communicate that he now felt like everything was settled, the kids were taken care of, and I was going to be there for them. And I will be, he said. But Dana had left loads of money to his wife and kids, and the people who knew her ex-husband, Dana, said he would not have been supportive of his widow marrying David. Oh. That was the last interview, though, that David Carradine gave, and the story itself becomes especially eerie when I describe how he died. Okay. David Carradine was found dead in Bangkok, Thailand on June 3rd, 2009, and he was age 72. He was hanging by his neck in a closet in a hotel room where he was staying. Really? I guess he was just there filming a new movie, Stretch. Supposedly, there is a leaked photo that came out later in a Thai tabloid of his hanging. And it showed David wearing fishnets and a wig. You can see, ta- <laughs> you can see tattoos of the actor on the lower half of his body. And he's hanging from the support bar in a hotel closet. Wait, there's a lot to unpack here. He was wearing fishnets and a wig? Yes, yes, and there's more. Why? Authorities have now labeled his hanging as an accidental erotic suffocation because they said there was also a black shoelace tied around Carradine's genitals. Oh, wow. Ouch. So this Though, wasn't, he wasn't in costume for a part? Well, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't think so. That would require shoelaces. Maybe well, there's mean, a kung fu I move mean, maybe that we don't know you, you about. Don't know. Maybe there's some kind of a buildup of energy in the genitals that he was experimenting with for his part. Maybe. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. Though, I frankly. do. Let's it talk just, about that some more. Yikes. Um, well, according to his immediate family, though, they think it was foul play. And they said that David had powerful enemies and was involved in secret cults. They also point to several things that make them think he was murdered. His hands were bound, and David's expensive watch was also missing. Hmm. He had a red oval mark on his left forearm. He had a red oval mark on his left forearm. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wait, wait. Do one that says he had a left. He had an oval mark on his left foreskin. Just do that. Just for just for fun, so that Josh has got more things to play with. He had a red oval mark on his left foreskin. I mean, forearm, and a head injury, which could have been evidence of him defending himself from his attackers. His third ex-wife published a book talking about David's kinky fascination with bondage, saying, well, he often hired prostitutes to reenact his weird fantasies. And one of David Carradine's close martial arts pals is convinced that his death is the result of a kung fu death cult. Guess a what kung his, fu death cult? Yeah. Guess what his friend's name is? Um, Squiggy. Because you know I love names. <laughs> Frank Krueger. Might be a relative of Freddy, you know? <laughs> They might want to interview him. Anyway, Kruger thinks the same martial arts group killed Bruce Lee for divulging martial arts secrets. He said David Carradine wanted to stand up to the crime families that threatened him back in the 70s and expose these leaders who engaged in keeping these secrets from practitioners of the art form. So Carradine, I don't know if you knew this, was heavily involved in Eastern philosophies. Okay. And uh, I did not know that. These, some of these philosophies um, were closely linked with Kung Fu martial arts, and they felt that martial arts helped in achieving immortality, could help you levitate. Oh, cool. And, you know, kind of like, what's that movie? Um, it's like Hidden Dragon or something where they like leap from trees and they're oh, like floating yeah. around, like levitating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, kind of like that. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. It, it, that's kind of what it reminds me of, that okay. they believe that this martial arts, you can transform the body into being one of those superpower ninjas and also being able to walk through walls and all that. So yeah. supposedly um, this friend really thinks that these secret um, kung fu cults are out there. And they're out killing people who are trying to give away the secret. But they're just floating up in the trees. And Isn't we can't that a see fun them? conspiracy? Anyway, <laughs> I had a friend who studied psychology and she used to work at a hypnotherapy clinic with uh-huh. me. And she said her theory is that when people start subconsciously using words and they actually start talking about their own deaths right before they pass on. And the fact that he kept saying hanging and hung and tied up and focused on the closet, I thought that was really interesting. And I'm thinking maybe the ghost was really just warning him that his death was imminent. And that is why the ghost chose the tie symbol and the closet to communicate. I think grateful dead means either, hey, David, be grateful you are soon going to be dead or, hey, David, I'm going to be so grateful you kinky SOB will be dead soon. Or it can mean, hey, David, why don't you light up a blunt and put on some grateful dead because I really (laughs) miss that band. That's what I'm going to go with. (laughs) I'm grateful dead that I can't hear grateful dead anymore. Jerry Garcia and I want you to turn on some Grateful Dead so we can get high and hang out in your closet. There you go. (laughs) Anyway, I, you know, I'm thinking the show actually might be cursed. I mean, look at all the celebrity deaths after filming their stories. Joan Rivers was on that show. Oh, shit. Carrie Fisher was on that show. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever really know the true story about David Carradine's death. Yeah. Who knows? But I do know something for sure. What's that? Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> Way to make it political, Carol. <laughs> that's, that's just truth. That's just fact. 
Well, the coroner report did come back and say that it looked like it was more of a homicidal situation than a suicidal situation. And let's face it, he had he was a very powerful man with very powerful ties involved in a sex trafficking ring with a lot of powerful people. Mm-hmm. If you take him out, he can't tell anybody who you who you are or what you did with these children. And that's right. So there you go. Makes anyway, sense to me. He would have been murdered. It's food for thought. It is. And yeah. That's my story. Yeah, that's a good one. The way he died in the fishnets and the wig, I don't think I've ever, I didn't think I knew that. Yeah, I um, i didn't know he liked dressing up in clothes and costumes like that. Well, I mean, he is an actor, so maybe he does like dressing maybe, up. Or maybe he just came off the set and then maybe. they attacked him. Maybe. Maybe it was like a kung fu show where he had to be like a carnival worker. Would you ever try autoerotic asphyxiation? Okay, Holly, absolutely not. <laughs> Come on. This is a safe space. No one will tell anybody. Okay, Josh, this is It's just not, between us. Yeah, no, this no. is definitely going to stay, Josh. <laughs> Answer the question. Definitely, yeah. This is, definitely is this truth stay. or dare? And this, like, we, like, we stopped playing we're, drinking we're all, games we're all a long here. time ago. Holly. We're all friends here. No one's going to hear this. Just you and me, Carol. Shh, no, the only me. game I play is turn off the light. See if you can find me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play Feel Your Way to Carol in the Dark. That's, that's the only game I play. <laughs> Oh my god. Maybe for Christmas I'll get you like a, a belt. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get you a wig. And a, and a black and a black shoestring and um I guess that doesn't work for a girl. No. <laughs> <laughs> Holly, you crazy. Oh, I'm much worse than that. <laughs> So I'll go ahead and start. So Josh's editing will create magic, I promise. Yes, Josh. This is all on you now. Okay? Make me sound amazing. (laughs) Easy. And thin. Okay. I think it was a torture device the doctors like to use on the patients. And they just used them in the dark tunnels down below. That's what I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because how scary would it be to have a cold-armed machine coming at you with a little pill? So some die within minutes. Others... uh, Edit this, edit this, edit this, edit this. <laughs> As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.